Now this summer, we are going to go through uh, a series that we've called Portal. And the idea of a portal is that it's like a gateway, it's, a <clears throat> it's an opening where you can enter through to go into certain places, you know, and so if we would have a, a portal here in the back of the stage that lets us out, enters into a different place, um, you know, that's what it, it would do. And so well, often what we, when we use a portal, it's this idea of going back in time or it's going back into a place. And so what we want to do this summer um, is sort of a, this look of going back into certain parts of Scripture because I understand that if we would say we're going to go through the entire Bible this summer, that, that would be a little bit overwhelming. Or maybe you're at that place where if you're like, man, I should read through the whole Bible. Um, again, it seems a little bit overwhelming sometimes. So what we're going to do this summer is just sort of portal into certain places of Scripture. And today is going to be a lot of fun because uh, this is a story that, you know, I'm sure most of you will have heard about at some point, but it isn't a story that we read too, too often. And so here's what you guys can actually do for me, is if you would have a story in the Bible that you're like, man, we almost never speak on that, um, I would love for you to send me an email and I'll read it and we'll see. And if I don't know what to do with it, I won't preach on it, so um, it's safe, right, you know? But maybe you have like a story and you're like, man, we always talk about some of the well-known stuff, you know? Um, how about this story? And I think today will be a little bit like that. Last Sunday, as we already said in the opening, was our church picnic, and man, it was a great time. But of all the incredible pictures that I've seen from last Sunday, I don't know if there's anyone that is quite as good as this one that was taken by Kathy, um, Kathy Weeb. Um, I have permission to use this. Thank you, Colin. This, ladies and gentlemen, is Colin. And uh, like I said, I have permission to use this. Now, this picture literally says this man is pushing his own weight worth, right? I found out that that tire weighs 130 pounds, and uh, Colin weighs 115. And now, obviously, he's not picking up the entire thing, and we could have maybe put a scale on the end and see exactly how much weight he's lifting. But what I love about this picture isn't necessarily just Colin in there uh, making a beautiful face. Um, what I love about this picture is the man in the background, okay? That's Colin's uncle, and uh, what you can see from his posture, and I didn't see this. My wife told me later that, you know, this guy was like, literally, use your hands, use your knees, you know, use your back, um, legs and stuff like that, and just coaching and just, you know, come on, come on. But you can see from his posture, it's just like... Oh, I just want to jump in there and help. Or can't you see it? Okay, so I, I talked to him to make sure that, yeah, he's like, oh, no, no. he was sitting on the mower when I had this comment, and he got all tense, like, yeah, I just wanted to get in there and just, just help my, my, my nephew out. But what I love about this picture is, you know, just Colin maybe in that moment is like, I'm in this all by myself. Now, there's another picture. Flip next one. That man in the background looks super relaxed. Um... <laughs> He's just always that cool. You just need to know. He, he's always that relaxed. Uh, that's Colin's dad. And he's probably like, I've seen this boy push more than that. You know? But even with him, you can kind of tell the dad's stance. I, I need to do something here. I want to do something here, but I can't. I can't. All right? Um, I think that, again, this picture is a beautiful picture. And the first one is a beautiful picture of um, how sometimes, you know, we are in these moments of our lives and we recognize, you know, that this is a really difficult thing, but we maybe in those moments also don't see the people in the background who can help. Um, one of the cool things that I thought about this team, by the way, this team, 
got third place overall. Uh, just uh, youth and junior youth guys, they, they worked amazing as a team. And one of the, I noticed a little while ago, a little while after this picture was taken, one of the teammates came and, and, and helped Colin, and they just, a beautiful display of teamwork. But I wonder if for some of us, when we're in a situation, our, we feel a little bit more like this picture. Yeah, there we go. Now, you may not really notice the difference because you're sitting quite a ways away, but what you need to see in this picture is, you know, we got Colin exactly the way he was. He's, he's, you know, he's wrestling away. He's working hard. But what you see in the background now is everybody's kind of blurred out. Everybody's kind of faded out. And I wonder if some of you in your life situation, you're under the weight of something right now and you literally feel like everything is blurred out. You can't really see. You can't see that there's help. You can't see that there's other people around you. You can't see the resources that are maybe available. And it might even be possible in this moment right now, even God seems just blurred out. And you're in that place in your life today where, where you just feel utterly alone. You just feel like it's, it's me and this tire. And I've got to flip this thing like 20 more times. And i am done it three times and I'm not sure how I'm going to do it even one more time. And I think like in this picture where you see he's giving it his absolute all. And obviously this is a competition so the other adults couldn't jump in and help. But I think something's in life. Maybe we feel that same way. We're in this thing. We're on our own. And we don't see that there are so many other people, and especially that God is available to come and help us. So I want to look at a story in the Bible today that I think is just a beautiful illustration of this, and that's found in 2 Kings chapter um, 6. This is a story of the king of Aram, and he is at war with um, the king of Israel. And these guys have been going at it for a while, and Elisha is a prophet of God, And he is, you know, sort of acting as a spy on behalf of the people of Israel. But the cool thing with Elisha, he's such a good spy, he doesn't even have to go in to this other nation to be able to get information. God reveals to him what's happening, and then Elisha passes it on to the king of Israel. And then the king of Israel sends out scouts, and sure enough, they find that it's exactly what Elisha said it would. And this way they evade constantly uh, being captured. They evade, you know, having their, uh, their um, troops attacked and things like that. And so we find out now from the king of Aram that this is driving him nuts. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 11. That's where we're going to pick up the story. Chapter um, 6, verse 11. Here's what it says. <clears throat> this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his offers and demanded of them, will you not tell me which one of us is on the side of the king of Israel. What he's basically suggesting is, we have a spy in our midst. Because how else do the Israelites always find out exactly where we have been waiting to ambush them? How else do they find out about our troop movement? How else are they finding out exactly what we're doing? So he's basically, well he is saying to these, so which one of us is on the side of the king of Israel? Because clearly one of us is because we're spying on our own people and sending the word out to them. Verse 12, none of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. (laughs) That's a little freaky. But it basically, it's very clear that the king of Aram has his own spy among the Israelites. And that spy has been telling 
the, the king of Aram or the, the, the nation, hey, you've got, a, you've got someone here named Elisha who can literally find out about the very words that the king of Aram is saying in his own bedroom. So don't even be you know, surprised that he knows about troop movements. He knows about the very secret things that are being done in the king's bedroom. Verse 13. The king replies, he says, go, find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dotham. Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. Now, this place, Dothan, isn't a very big place. I, I had some trouble finding out the exact size of the city and town. But this is the place, if you remember with Joseph, remember he was looking for his brothers and they said, oh, he's, you know, the brothers went down to Dothan. And this is the place where Joseph was sold by his brothers uh, into slavery. And so there is some other places in scripture where this, uh, where this town is mentioned. But it's not a very big place. So I'm sure the king of Aram thought to himself, well, this is an easy solution to my problem. I'll go in there, I'll capture this guy, or I'll kill this guy. It depends on, you know, we don't know. But I'm going to put an end to this, this spy. I'm going to put an end to this informant who is constantly sending information. So he, the king of Aram, actually sends a fairly large army deep into Israel territory. Now that's, that's, that's risky. And, and so the king of Aram sends this army in there, and by night they surround the city. And I'm sure to anyone in the city, when they looked out in the morning and when they saw this army that has surrounded them, they must have thought, this is the end of us. This is where they had their tire moment. They're under this tire, and at that moment, all they see, all they see is this army that has surrounded them. Verse 15, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the morning... Or early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And here's his reaction. Oh, my Lord. All small, small, lowercase. So he's talking to, about Elisha. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. This guy sees this. And, and because he is the servant of Elisha, his response is looking at Elisha and saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I'm sure, again, in all of our lives, this has happened in some way in our lives. That there's been that moment in our lives where we experience something, and in that moment, it just literally seems hopeless. You look at that moment, and you're like, how are we going to get through this? Oh, my Lord, what are we going to do? How am I going to get through this? What are we going to do now that this has happened? We didn't expect this. And I think this brings us back to that moment that we were talking about before. You feel the weight of that tire crushing down on you, and everything around you feels blurred. Now, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure if I was to ask you, if you've ever been there, raise your hand, I'm sure many of you in this room maybe are there right now. That in, in some way, you're in experiencing something in life that just feels crushing. And, it, and possibly the thing that <clears throat> is hardest about that isn't the weight of what's crushing you, it's that you feel that you are so alone in this moment. You ever been there? Where it's like, yeah, this is, this is bad. Financially, this is really bad. Health-wise, this is really bad. Relationally-wise, this is, this is really bad. But, but what makes it so bad is that we don't know where to turn. We don't know who to go to. 
We don't even feel that there's anybody around us. We, we feel absolutely alone, even though we may be in a crowd of people. And I'm sure for this servant, in that moment, he's looking at this situation, and you can't blame him. This is a moment in his life where he cannot see how we'll get out of this. Look at Elisha's response, verse 16. He says, the prophet said, answered, do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, don't be afraid. <laughs> That's such an easy thing to say when things are going your way, right? That's such an easy thing to believe when the odds are in your favor. But when the odds are not in our favor, when things seem to all be going against us, my goodness, that sounds like an empty promise. That sounds like empty words. Don't be afraid. By the way, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And I wonder if at that moment the servant kind of wanted to say, no, 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 no. Do the counting again, Elisha. They have far outnumbered us. The servant had asked Elisha, what then shall we say? What, what, what shall we do? I think it appears um, that, you know, that the servant um, is sort of receiving false hope from Elisha. It could easily come across that way, that Elisha is like at that moment just kind of trying to rally the troops and say, just be brave, be brave, you know. There are more for us than there are with them, and there are more with us than there are with them. And it's interesting that Romans, Paul makes almost that exact same statement in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Paul says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's sort of the this, this same idea that if God is for us in this situation, then who can be against us? If God is for us, then don't worry about the obstacles. And it's kind of like what Elisha is saying here to the servant. No, don't worry. Those who are for us are far greater than those who are with us. And again, I think that in, in that moment when things seem to be going our way, that sounds amazing. You know, in that moment when we're winning, in that moment when things are going right, in that moment when things are the way they should be, it's easy for us to believe at that moment that if God is for us, who can be against us? After all, look at that victory. Look at that victory. Maybe some of you are in that moment right now, there is no victory. There is only maybe defeat and hardship and it looks like the inevitable is defeat and hardship. And for someone to come up to you and say, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? You, you believe that, you want to believe that, but it's difficult to not simply feel like that's an empty promise, that's empty false hope. You can't fault this servant for maybe struggling a little bit to believe in what Elisha is saying. And again, remember, he asked the question, what shall we do? And I'll look at verse 17 because this is absolutely beautiful. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, all caps, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I love it that it's not just a hill, it's the hills. In other words, as far as the eye could see, there are horses and chariots of fire that are ready to come to the rescue 
of Elisha that are at the command of God to do whatever needs to be done. I wonder if our prayer today needs to be exactly that. Oh Lord, open my eyes to see. Oh Lord, open our eyes to see that we would see what God is doing, that we would see the power of God, that we would see who he is. So the question I want to ask us is, what are we not seeing that we should be seeing? What are we not seeing that we should be seeing? Because again, if I want to go back to that picture of Colin, you know, there he is, but it's all blurred out. And I'm sure that moment, he's, he's not seeing that there's a lot of help around. He's only seeing the obstacle. And maybe in our lives, it's similar to that, where at this moment, all we're seeing is the obstacle. Is it possible that we have found ourselves in that place in our lives where we feel surrounded and we feel that there is no one to come to our rescue? I think that we can identify with this servant in many ways. We have faithfully served God and followed God, but we have maybe forgotten that God is on our side. We've forgotten that God is with us. We've forgotten that God is for us. We have testified to the power of God with our words. We have, we have maybe stood up and testified to the power of God, but maybe our hearts have become full of fear. So we'll take a, a stand for God, but once we're alone, once we're in that place by ourselves, you, you kind of get to that, that moment, and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I can, I can verbally stand for God, and I can, I can you know, go to church, and I can serve, and I can do these things, but when I'm by myself, when I'm alone, all of a sudden my heart feels empty, and I feel alone, and I wonder, I wonder, is God really doing anything for us? Maybe we find ourselves here as a church. We see the needs in our society, and just picture this for a moment. Just take a five-kilometer diameter around this building right now. And if you think of the needs within those five kilometers, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. The spiritual darkness, the, all the different needs that are in that radius so maybe we as a church can even feel that way. There are thousands of people within this five-kilometer radius of us, and maybe we're wrestling with the question, does this even matter? Does coming together like this, does it even matter? Are we getting anywhere? Does it not feel at, all, at times like darkness is actually winning? I don't mean to be all gloomy here, but my goodness, if you haven't wrestled with those kind of questions, I don't think you're taking your faith very serious because I think there are those moments in our lives where it's like, you know, are, are any of these things even important? Are we getting anywhere? We, we meet week after week. We, we hear challenging sermons. We, we, you know, we invest money and all. Is, is any of this making a difference? I think it's a fair question to ask. And I think sometimes in those moments when we're maybe wrestling with doubt or maybe we're wrestling with the validity of what we do as Christians and you know, you're in your workplace and you're sharing your, your word, your, your faith and you're, you're being kind and you're loving and, and all those kind of things and maybe sometimes you end up driving home and you're asking yourself, does this even matter? Should I continue with this or should I just take the easier path and just go with the flow and not put up such you know, not make my life difficult. At that moment, I trust that all of us 
would pray this prayer of Elijah. Oh Lord, open our eyes to see. What are we not seeing that we should see? What if the most hopeless situation that we find ourselves in, that when we open, when God opens our eyes to see what we cannot see, we will see an abundance of resources. We will see strength that we never saw before. We will see what God has in store for us. I'm sure that this is when the servant, when the, that when the servant saw that the hills were full of horses and chariots, that his fear vanished. Or maybe it was replaced with a new fear. I'm sure if I saw that, I'd be like, whoa, they're with us or they're with, against us. You know, which one is it? Because suddenly that army doesn't seem all that intimidating, but that seems incredibly intimidating. But I'm sure for this servant, when he realizes that is the army of God ready to come and save them, that the fears that they had, that the fears that he had must have vanished. Now I want to quickly fly through the rest of the story because it seems almost comical. So let me just quickly read it and follow along. Verse 18, as the army, enemy came towards, um, towards him, Elijah prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elijah had asked. Elijah told him, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. Now, I'm going to be honest here for a bit. That sounds like a little bit of a white lie to me. But I guess the prophet of God, it, it works. But uh, anyway, I, uh, that's cool. One day I'll ask Elijah about that. So did you get in trouble for that one at all or no? But uh, anyway, we're going to leave it. Some of you are like, why did you bring that up? Anyway, verse 20. After they entered the city, so they're on their way to Samaria now. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. <laughs> this is a fun moment. Then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and they were inside Samaria. They are now surrounded by their enemy. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elijah, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? A little kill-happy king here, don't you think? You know, it's like, can I kill him now? Can I kill him now? You know, and, um, and Elijah's like, no, no, no. You can read the rest yourself. He's like, no, no, no. Don't kill them. Give them a big feast and then send them home. And I think because the king, you know, recognizes that without Elijah's loyalties, uh, he would be in big trouble. And so he does exactly what um, Elijah asked him. He gives these and, uh, you know, enemy troops, a, a big feast, and there were lots of them, so this must have taken up a lot of resources, and he sends them home. But here's something I don't want you to miss today. And if there is something that I want you to take home with, maybe this, maybe this is it. As easy as it was for God to open the eyes of the servant who couldn't see, it was just as easy for God to close the eyes of the people who could see. And suddenly, the table is completely turned. And I think, again, sometimes we picture it this way, that God will give us the strength to withstand the power of evil. But at the same time, you have to recognize that God has also taken away all the power of evil. That if he can give you strength to withstand the power of evil, he can remove all the power of evil. And he can completely flip it around. And you and I must see ourselves as these people who are not the underdogs. Even though I love that song by Audio Adrenaline, but I just, we're not underdogs, people. 
Jesus is on our side. The God of the universe is our God. Why are we the underdogs? If God can take an army of people and blind them to not be able to see the very people they're attacking and make them completely weak, and if God can take a servant who just seconds ago felt completely powerless and give him eyes to see what he couldn't see and see that he is surrounded by the army of God and that all victory is clearly theirs, why would we think that we somehow now in 2015 serve a different God? So if you're in that moment, you're under that tire, and everything is blurred, maybe instead of praying for help, maybe instead of praying for God to rescue you, maybe we want to do what Elisha did here. Say, God, just, just give me eyes to see that in this moment, I'm not alone. You see, I want God to open our eyes to see that God is eternal, that God is infinite, that God is omnipresent. He is absolutely everywhere, that God is omnipotent, all-powerful, that God is omniscient, all-knowing, that God is unchanging, that God is sovereign, that Jesus' victory on the cross is our victory. Open our eyes to see that sin has been defeated. And maybe one of the big ones for some of you today is, Lord, open our eyes to see that I am loved. Because maybe one of the things that has blurred your vision the most in that moment of struggle is not that it feels hopeless and helpless, but maybe in that moment you feel so unloved. Why else would this happen to me? If God loves me, why would this happen? And, and that's, a, that's a phenomenal question. This is such an important question, and there aren't easy answers for that. But one thing we must recognize that in those moments of hardship, we need to ask God, open our eyes to see that even in this hardship, I am still loved. I am still loved. My life verse, and sorry I keep using this, but you've probably heard me use this already a number of times. My life verse is 1 John 3.1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. I call it my three greats. First, it's a great love by a great Father, my God, and then a great amount. So sometimes in my moment when I feel down, I recognize my three greats, that I am loved by a great love, that I am loved by a great Father, and that I am loved by a great amount by this great Father with this great love. You see, God didn't just love you with a little sprinkle in your difficult moment. God lavished you. My favorite, and this, sorry, this is going to sound a little gross, my favorite place to quote this scripture verse to myself is in the shower. When it's literally just water pouring on me. And I have to pray many times in those moments, Lord, would you open my eyes right now to see that is the same way I can feel this water washing all over me, that I would feel your love flowing all over me. Because I'm sure that some of us in our lives at some point maybe feel that, that you know, we've given everything we can, we've given all we have for God. But does he really love me? Does he really care? Does any of this matter to him that I'm sacrificing and I want to 
ask you today, just for a moment, to just pray. God, open our eyes. Open our eyes. So I'm going to invite the team to come up and they can just maybe play silently in the background because I think this is something we need to, we want, we need to do before we leave. Is for you to simply pray, Lord, open my eyes that I may see that I'm loved. So right where you are, if you need this, if you need this today, this is your moment. And those of you that are maybe like, man, I got all this down, great. Then pray for those around you. But my guess is that maybe there's some of us here today and we, we need to pray now. Lord, open my eyes. That all the hardships that I'm in right now do not blur you out, God. They do not eliminate his power. So Lord, open my eyes that I may see that I am loved. Maybe you want to pray, oh Lord, open my eyes that I may see that my sin is forgiven. The victory is indeed mine. Oh Lord, open my eyes to know that I am victorious. I'm not defeated. Satan has not won in my life. And maybe I feel that way right now, but Lord, would you open my eyes to see the victory that is mine through Jesus Christ? Maybe another big one for you if you're wrestling with identity is, Lord, open my eyes to see that I am a child of God. I have identity. I have hope. In Jesus, I am somebody. The most great value. Oh Lord, open our eyes as a church to see that this mission we're on is to accomplish a greater cause than just what we see now. Open our eyes, God, to see that this mission that we're on as a church is to accomplish something that is eternal. That those who we invite, that those who we minister to, that those who we care for, that those who are money that we collect affects, that they will spend eternity with you, Jesus. So Lord, open our eyes to see that because I'm sure there are moments where we wonder why are we doing this. So open our eyes, God, to see the big picture. If you've never given your life to Jesus, man, do that today. Just right now where you are, just sense his goodness. Sense his love for you. You just know today that all you need to do is to surrender to him. And he will give you hope and peace and salvation. And he will give you a new life that is going to restore so much of maybe what is lost. He will give you identity. Let's pray. Open our eyes, God, to see. Father, we feel hopeless. We feel surrounded. We feel cornered. We feel weak. I pray open our eyes to see you. Open our eyes to experience you today in a way where maybe you felt 
blurred to us, but we know, Lord, that you are never blurred out of our sight. That you are never distant, you are never gone. That we are never blurred out of your sight, that we are always, always in clear view of you. So I thank you, God, for that. I thank you for this incredible story of Elisha who, who prayed and his servant's eyes were open. And so I know, God, that in the same way, you can open our eyes today to see what you want us to see. May we know that we are loved by you, that we are your children, that we are not alone. In Jesus' name I pray.